Welcome to the Danish National Biobank podcast. We've been gone for quite a while due to the coronavirus pandemic. We return now, however, to give you this special series. With speaks from our co-hosted symposium, Scaling Omics Approaches to Population Size. Here is Eva Ortega Paeno from the Spanish National Cancer Research Center, CNIO. On the topic, the Spanish perspective on cancer research. Thank you very much. And welcome to the second day of this symposium entitled Scalinomics Approaches to Population Size. Our journey yesterday was around Europe and led us to discover state-of-the-art research from several countries by means of different approaches to decipher when some people get sick while others do not. At the end of the day, the take-home message to put on our bedside table for the day was the need of biobanks for high-quality biomedical research, improving the existing infrastructure and expanding knowledge to maximize the use of current and future biobank material and omics data. Data that should come from right controls and strong statistics tools. Some of you also thought that some of these biobanks were far from the British and the, and the, and the Finnish ones, but please keep calm and let me introduce you to the Spanish perspective for cancer research, where the counts of numbers, regions, and register do not stop us, but do not make it easy. Let's move it. Let's move into the new stage of this today's journey in biobanking and let the show begin. So now I'm going to start with my presentation. So thank you very much uh, for giving me the opportunity to present this uh, very, very narrow uh, topic that is the Spanish perspective of cancer research. Uh, well, it's, it's not uh, a very easy topic, but I will try to do my best. Let me see. And guide you through what cancer is, what do we do in the National Cancer Research Center, and what are the chances for uh, our biobank to provide and help researchers in, uh, in this topic? So it's, it's not much to say that you don't know uh, already about cancer, but according to NCI, is a term for diseases in which abnormal cells divide with a control and can invade nearby tissues. These cancer cells can also spread to other parts of the body through the blood and limb systems. And several years ago, it was a fantastic summary uh, of the hallmarks of cancer. So you can see in, in this uh, figure that uh, one of these uh, hallmarks is the sustaining of proliferative signaling, I mean, evading, uh, growth uh, suppressors, they can't uh, stop growing, as uh, it was mentioned in the definition. They can activate and go spread invasion and metastasis. Uh, they are enabled to replicate immortality. 
uh, they induce angiogenesis. So, of course, there's more vessels to feed the tumor. And they don't want to commit suicide. They don't want to die, as other cells do in the system. The types of cancer, in a global way, that we can uh, uh, summarize, they are uh, they are called regarding the site, the, the site of the, the site, I mean, which kind of organism is invading. So a normal carcinoma is just a skin, a tissue uh, in, inter in internal organs, whereas a sarcoma appears in bone, cartilage, fat, muscle, blood vessels, or connected unsupported tissues. Leukemia, as most of, uh, most of you know, is a blood-forming uh, cancer and, uh, in, in, uh, as, as well as lymphoma multiple myeloma happens in cells of the immune system. And uh, in some of the classifications don't talk about the central nervous system cancers, but I think we saw yesterday that uh, the brain and the spinal cord has also the chance to get this uncontrolled growth. So, uh, just to give you an overview of uh, where the situation uh, was two years ago and will be in the 22 years, I must say that, of course, as you heard, probably the incidence of cancer will increase. Uh, now, one out of three persons uh, suffer from cancer. In the future, it will be two of uh, three people. And we'll see why one of the main factors that will, I'll summarize in a couple of seconds is aging. We will live uh, longer. So, but the, the, here the key is uh, how the mortality will go. And it seems that two years ago, the mortality, this is in the world, was 9.5 million. And in 22 years, it's expected to be 60 million. But these numbers are based off uh, new cases. I mean, no mortality, but of course, probably, and uh, I'm sure it will happen, more people will get cured, we will have better drugs, or at least we will chronify the disease. So the general risk factors uh, for, um, for just suffering or getting uh, this uncontrolled growth, the tumor, cancer, is radiation, as you know, uh, we all recommend uh, you guys, especially as our Scandinavian friends, know to enjoy so much the sun when you come down to the southern part of Europe, because the UV lights from the sun is one of these uh, factors. It's the same about age, uh, as I mentioned before, the exposure to chemicals, alcohol consumption, uh, virus and viral infections as the human papilloma virus or hepatitis C virus or hepatitis B and so on and so forth. Of course, smoking, uh, overweight leading to obesity and uh, uh, history in the family of cancer. So uh, what are the numbers in Europe? Uh, as you see, this is a distribution uh, this little map is the distribution of incidence uh, in cases uh, out of 100,000 people. As you see, uh, colleagues of Denmark, uh, you're not doing very well in incidence and mortality of cancer, especially in incidence, uh, as well as other countries such as Netherlands, uh, Belgium, Cyprus, and so on. Here in uh, Spain and also our friends from Finland and Sweden are doing much better uh, than the uh, European average. 
And uh, in Spain, the uh, incidence is around 550 cases per 100,000 individuals. If you see the overall distribution of these cancers, uh, the leading uh, pathology is prostate cancer in, in males. I mean, the reasons could vary from uh, bad oncogenic markers. I mean, PCAs is not one of the best oncogenic uh, biomarker, although it gives some kind of clue. Also could be some kind of resistance to men to go and uh, be in check. But I mean, nothing that we can, uh, it's not, it's no more than assumptions that uh, a clear analysis of the situation. Follow by breast cancer and the third is a colorectal cancer. So the organ specific cancer incidence and mortality in Spain, I mean, as you see, our top one is uh, if we just don't divide uh, gender wise, is colorectal cancer. And probably this is linked to the main factor that is we live longer. We live longer and this is proved by the fact that the Spanish population is uh, the seventh in the um, lifespan expectancy, life expectancy in the world with an average of nearly 84 years. Of course, this could be linked to many other factors such as obesity, alcohol consumption, and still smoking. And uh, here in Spain, we saw a clear increase in women in lung cancer, whereas it has decreased in men because women started to copy the bad habits of men later. So where did I get this uh, source? Uh, uh, well, the source for cancer uh, are coming from the Spanish Society for Medical Oncology, and they are fed by uh, Cancer Today, the World, uh, the, the World Health Organization, the European uh, cancer information system and our Spanish network for cancer registries. But we don't have cancer registries for all the 50 provinces or at the regional level. And we have, as you know, uh, or probably some of you know, 17 autonomous uh, regions is more or less like the Lenda in, in Germany. So we have a very, very biased information Together, and this is something that uh, Aro and uh, other colleagues mentioned yesterday, uh, uh, in, in contrast with the Scandinavian system, we don't have a unique ID number. We have our ID number, and sorry for this, I mean, I'm being a little bit of self-centered. This is my Spanish ID document, uh, whereas my number is given at birth, uh, well, at the birth, it's not true either. It's given when you, it's compulsory, but you're 14, you, can, you could survive without any number <laughs> until you're raised at the age of 14. But then when you start working, you get your social security number, which doesn't correlate, as you can see, it starts with 28, which is the Madrid province code. And my DNI, if you see there, it starts with 0083. So, there's a lack of sharing of information from healthcare records, but not even at the within the uh, autonomous regions. I mean, at the national level. Also, in many of the regions, they don't communicate even between hospitals. So it's quite complicated to, to gather information. 
So how is the Spanish perspective on cancer research? Well, as one of my colleagues said the other day when I was telling him my topic, he said, just put a slide this fully black and say this is our future. Well, it is a kind of interpretation. I wouldn't say that is black. I wouldn't say that is quite different. And it's different because... Uh, we have some excellent centers and uh, in, in, in uh, the center, uh, this monographic center where I work, the Spanish National Center for Cancer Research is an excellent uh, center to do scientific um, uh, research on cancer. And we are based on uh, a science, best science uh, outcome for our best strategy. And this is organized with excellence research, is an international uh, cancer research center. So for example, we speak in English, everything is uh, all lectures are done in English, which is quite, quite uh, rare in, 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 in Spain. Uh, we are based in innovation. We have an innovation office that transfer knowledge from, uh, the, um, from, uh, from the center to spin-offs if there's needed, patient-orientated research. We have um, a clinical uh, unit and we have a uh, tight collaboration with several hospitals. We also uh, revert and uh, work in a tight manner with the society. And of course, we have education as uh, you can see today. I'm going to go Far, this is a bit of showing off. So we are the ninth in the in the rank for the CMO journal ranking for monographic cancer research centers in the world. We are the second at uh, the European level, and uh, we are the seventh in the in the world ranking position uh, for the Nature Index. So in Spain, we are the first. And as you see these little medals, this is the Excellence Alliance. It's given to Excellence Research Centers, and we are the first in this ranking. So how we organize, this is a general organization. As you see, really, it was a reorganization when I moved back to Spain. So now we are hanging into the four big pillars, that is basic research, translational research, innovation, and in, uh, then is the biobank. And uh, just diving a little bit of uh, the organizations of biobanks in Spain, I must say that for the authorization of our uh, biobank, the requirements is to have this, uh, these uh, actors, this is the holder, that is the uh, research center, myself as a scientific director, someone that is responsible for the data file. And then we have the ethic, uh, the research ethic committee and the biobank scientific committee, uh, committee that are externs to the biobank. But this is what we need to have an authorized biobank. We were authorized in 2013. So as I mentioned in the PhD course, but for you that uh, are not part of this PhD course, a biobank is, 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 is supported by three main pillars. There are sample quality, ethical, legal, and societal issues, and the um, IT management. Here is our organization. As you see, we are uh, five people, and they are divided. I would like to introduce you, Maria Jesus Artiga, who is taking part of the operative part and information uh, from the Biobank, working tightly with the um, technical assistant, Immaculada Almenara. Uh, our quality man is uh, Francisco de Luna, and the ethical and legal societal issues are handled by Nuria Ajenjo. 
So we don't have many samples, and most of them are before the Spanish uh, Bioban uh, Biomedical Research Act. So we have uh, mainly uh, paraffin embedded tissues uh, coll uh, collected in, um, in six different collections, distributed in these six different collections, and we have something unique that is a xenograph, PDX collection, and a new COVID collection with DNA, PBMCs, and so on and so forth. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, sample quality is absolutely compulsory for biobanks, and uh, we have some uh, projects. We have a project going on that is called Optimark for just checking uh, potential biomarkers uh, between uh, for quality, sample quality uh, within uh, fresh frozen. Uh, tissues and um, uh, paraffin embedded uh, uh, tissues, uh, formerly fixed paraffin embedded tissues, because the lack of standardization in the collection and storage of medical specimens can hinder subsequent research. So if we compare apples with pear and we put rubbish in, we will get rubbish out. So our, I don't, I'm not going to go through, but this is our ethical legal uh, frame. We have uh, in 2007, uh, the um, uh, act, uh, the Biomedical Research Act came in force. Then we have the Royal Decree for Authorization and Operation of Biobanks Treatment of Biological Samples of Human Origin. We have a National Registry of Biobanks for medical, uh, Biomedical Research, but you will see not all the samples are recorded, only those in uh, some of the um, different uh, situations, I mean, uh, conditions. I will let you know a little bit more. And so on, the, the data protection and everything that you can imagine. Uh, so, of course, for us, uh, the key here and uh, for you all, um, unless that you have the opt-out system, as we saw in Denmark, uh, the informed consent is the key tool for biomedical research. We can't do anything if the patient doesn't agree to this consent. And this informed consent has to have an information uh, leaflet, uh, leaflet. I mean, they need to know what they sign for. Uh, it's not that we've got a, cons a signed consent. We want an informed consent. We need, we have the obligation to make the donor know what is going on, what the, what the future use of the sample will be. So here in Spain, Portugal and Germany, the, own, the donor maintain the ownership of the sample. So these sources of human biological material in Spain can come in three different scenarios. So a researcher can just start their own project and then, of course, they need always to pass an ethical assessment. Uh, but uh, this collection has a, a time restriction and they cannot send the samples to anyone. It's just only for their project. Then we have the collections that they need to register in uh, contrary to the project, to the national registry, the Biobank registry. Of course, the ethics uh, committee is in place as well. Uh, they don't need to be authorized like the others, administratively speaking. Uh, they have, they are part of maybe collaboration, so they can transfer only these samples to these people that are reflected in their collection or project, and uh, the time restriction is unlimited. Then we have the legal frame that is the biobank. And the biobank, of course, is registered. I mean, has all the collection the register in the National Registry. We have, of course, uh, all the ethics uh, committees and scientific committees. We don't have any restrictions in time or uh, research, and we can uh, send the samples to the third party use. So AT management, there you are. We have a LIM system in place uh, following the regulation of the European Union. 
And this is our ecosystem. And the ecosystem is shared by probably all, uh, all the biobanks. We have to work in an economic framework, in a social framework with the donors, patients, patient associations. Just get, as you can imagine, and we will move forward to this point, we have to get in touch with hospitals and clinicians, researchers. We have a scientific technical framework and we have also uh, an institutional and uh, uh, um, uh, framework. So our activities, just to go really quick, because I think time is, is getting close, we do sample management in a brilliant river research collections. We do quality assurance research ourselves with some uh, quality, as I mentioned, quality, uh, sample quality projects, disseminations. We have also a help desk, a biobank help desk, when you can just go in and ask if you have doubts how biobanks work. This is open to the society as well as to researchers and uh, other people that are interested. And of course, we give uh, ethical and uh, legal support to our researchers. Our pilots, transparency and accountability, access to human samples for research, quality assurance, research, innovation and education and ethical and legal issues. But now, I mean, uh, we have a problem, of course. We are a research center. And as uh, Aaron mentioned uh, in his uh, fantastic talk in the PhD course, and I said several times, uh, samples are power, equal power. So if we want to get samples, tissue samples, we have to get into agreements with hospitals for getting these, uh, these, 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 these tissues, solid tissues. And this is our main bottleneck because it's complicated. One of the reasons is because uh, they have their own biobanks. Other reasons could be a little more of a discussion. And uh, uh, some of the researchers here don't want to include a surgeon into their papers just because they got a sample, as a, a tumor out of a patient. Uh, considering that they had to do it anyway, they were paid. So we have a little bit of a little, uh, but to get these solid tumors and agreements are not so easy. So then we have to rethink our strategy in a way that we could uh, get samples and uh, increase and encourage collaboration. So in the new uh, open call, uh, national open call, we sent our application based on uh, three main projects. One that is mm, mm, our little baby is the national network from brain metastasis called Renacer. For you, Renacer doesn't mean much, but in Spanish means reborn, which is uh, what it will happen. It will manage to, to get uh, treatment for these patients. Then we are going to start long prospective cohorts and we are going to exploit the PDX uh, biobank collection. So just in summary, the National Network for Brain Metastasis uh, account now with um, uh, the participation, we managed to get the commitment of 10 different hospitals at the national level. So we will get the, the, the CNO, CNIO biobank will be the uh, receptor biobank for this collection. And we will get frozen tissue, uh, fixed tissue and fresh tissue for different uh, approaches. One for molecular characterization, 
tissue characterization, and then the fresh tissue for developing organelles and narrowing down potential drugs using a um, platform, a med platform. And all this project is in collaboration with the Brain Metastasis Unit and with Manuel Valiente, who is a very talented um, uh, researcher with a very open view and vision of biobanks. So then we will do different um, uh, techniques, approaches to uh, just get uh, uh, in an initial cohort potential drugs that they will be tested later on in the MET platform again and at the hospital. Then we are going to start collecting samples quite soon uh, from the uh, Spanish Flight Attendant Association and the Spanish Pilot Association. I mean, this group of people seem to have a very high mortality. I mean, this uh, they claim, or their union claim to be around 50 years old. Uh, but this, this, this data is not confirmed on the literature. I couldn't find anything. They are some observational studies, but they seem to suffer from a wide range of diseases. So this uh, collection, apart from uh, uh, sampling everything that is possible, will allow us to start a new project that is the establishment of a liquid biopsy collection. Why? Well, one of the reasons is because we could get our own extraction, sample extraction center. You don't need to get agreement with hospitals. And of course, because I think it could be the uh, sample of the future. It will allow us to do a screening for presence of disease, patient stratification and therapy selection, where it's called companion diagnosis, monitoring treatment response and drug resistance, and also detection of minimal residual disease after surgery recurrence. And then last but not least, and this is I think one of my last slides, is the exploiting, uh, we are going to exploit the PDX Biobank collection. This is a very long story, but to make it sure, uh, in 2018, I believe, uh, a huge um, uh, collection of 200 models from different uh, primary tissues uh, uh, of xenografts uh, were uh, reverted or were, uh, yeah, they reverted to the biobank. Uh, the Ethical Research Committee allow us to do that because uh, we didn't have in our power the consent. But of course, since we didn't have the concept of the donors, we have to anonymize of the sample. So this collection is great, but it's lacking some of the main information that, that we needed uh, to get the right value for scientific pro uh, process. So we asked for money to, of course, uh, manage the collection and try to do a panel of um, cancer genes, uh, genes included in cancer, and what we call recharacterization and expansion uh, of this um, of this uh, of this collection. Of course, we have some of the models that are already literature. Those models are public; the data is public. So, of course, we can provide researchers with those models. Uh, the collection is, uh, as the ethical committee uh, asked, is recodified and is fully anonymized. But we won't exploit because it's a great source of material, this PDX biobank collection. So I don't, uh, I don't want to, to take more of uh, the time from the, the next speaker. So I want to acknowledge all the people that are always helping and supporting. Um, and my colleagues for the biobank are the top. I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't, a wish for a better team. They are 
so good doing what they do. And they are always so happy that making my life easy and very pleasurable. And also I want to say thank you to our uh, ethical committee. We have great discussions every month about different topics. And thanks to this, we started a new ethical um, um, uh, working group for organoids, uh, even including uh, one of our former students, Aro, Melanie from BBMRI Eric, who is helping us uh, to develop this and, and, and just to, to brainstorm about this topic. Then to our scientific uh, biobank committee, and also uh, to our data protection officer who is guiding us in how to do the things in a right way regarding information. So thank you very much for your attention. And I hope you have, uh, well, I hope that everything was clear, but if you have some questions, I welcome to answer them. Thank you.